You are listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Well, good morning, and thanks for being with us on this beautiful Lord's Day and this Veterans Day weekend. And we want to take just a moment to say thank you to all of our veterans uh, for all that they do for us and the sacrifices that they make for each and every one of us. Um, It is just a beautiful day out there, and I know I am loving this kind of winter weather. Uh, As most of you know, I just moved here from California, so this is all new to me. Uh, But how can you not be getting into the Christmas spirit with all of this snow and all of this beautiful pine trees and such? But we are so glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us, whether you're here with us live or if you're part of our online audience. We are just thankful and blessed by your presence. Uh, My name is Aaron. I'm the family pastor here at Rockland, and I am just blessed and honored to bring the message to you today as we continue our journey through the book of Psalms. Today we're going to be in Psalms chapter 71. So if you want to open up your Bibles, if If you haven't already, we're going to start off in Psalms chapter 71. And what I really want to focus on is kind of the first half of this chapter, because I think it's really, really important. And David is talking about this idea, this concept of a refuge, which leads to the question, what exactly is a refuge? Well, I did what we do these days when you want to find a definition. See, it used to be you went to the dictionary or you went to the encyclopedia, but now we just pull out our phones, we hit the button, and we ask Siri. So I asked Siri, what is a refuge? And it said, a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. And I want you to think about that just for a second. I want you to think about this idea of a refuge. And and I want you to think about what does that mean to you when you hear that term, refuge? Because what we're going to be talking about is where we should, and equally as important, where we shouldn't be finding our refuge. So where do we go? Where do we turn? What do we do when times get tough? We all run into tough times. We're not promised as Christians that we'll have an easy life. But where do we turn? Do we turn to a bottle? Do we turn to a pill? Do we turn to gambling, pornography, people who we shouldn't be associating with? Where do we go and what do we do when things get hard? And that's exactly what David is going to show us. Because see, we, as the world, we tend to be, as the old song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. And we want to make sure that as Christians, we're looking for love in the right place. And the right place, of course, is in our Lord and Savior. We're reminded in James chapter 4, and I want to go there just real quick before we go over to Psalms, but James chapter 4, we're reminded about the things of this world, and we're reminded why we shouldn't be looking for our refuge in the things of this world. And in James chapter 4, starting in verse 13, it says, count now, uh, excuse me, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. It says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. It says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So here in James, we're reminded that the things of this world will come and go, and that the things of this world will pass away, and that the things of this world are so small and so short when we look at eternity. So we're reminded that looking to the things of this world for answers, or looking to the things of this world when times get tough is not going to be the answer because those things are going to pass away. But the one thing that's the constant is our Lord and Savior. 
And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So we are going to flip over to Psalms chapter 71. So turn over with me, if you would, and we're going to be looking at Psalms chapter 71 as David prays this prayer, this very important prayer. Now, most scholars agree that this was written during Absalom's rebellion, and if you've been kind of following along with us through the book of Psalms, you know that David was kind of in a difficult spot at this point. He has been kind of stabbed in the back by someone who was considered a friend, considered a brother in Christ, and this person kind of stabbed him in the back and is planning to rebel against David and his army. So this is David kind of reaching out to God to say, hey, I'm in trouble, and where do I go? So let's pick up in verse 1. Psalms chapter 71, verse 1 says, If you, O Lord, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Now, I love that David starts off this prayer with immediately recognizing who his refuge is and where it should be. See, sometimes when times get tough, it's hard for us because we don't always know where to turn. And David is reminding us here that the answer is always that we turn to God first. See, God isn't our last resort. God isn't our final effort. God isn't, well, I've tried everything else and that didn't work. God is our refuge. He should be our first call. He should be our first thought. And he should be our first place that we go when we are in trouble. And David reminds us of that right here in the very beginning of this chapter, right up front, when he says that, oh God, you are the refuge. Let's go ahead and continue. Verse 2 says, in your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and send me. See, he's reminding us here that only God is the one that can save. God is the redeemer and he invites God into the story. And see, we have to remember to invite God into each and every situation that we're a part of. And when we do that, then we have that refuge that we need. Now, we invite God in, right? When we, when we give our lives to Christ, we invite God in. But are we inviting Him in on an ongoing, continual, everyday basis? And that's exactly what David's doing here is he's inviting God into the situation so that he can have that help and have that strength and have that refuge. Verse 3 says, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come and have been given the, excuse me, have been given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. A couple of things here that I want to point out. One is that he says, continually. See, we continually go to God. Now, sometimes we, we, we think like when we have to ask somebody for something, maybe you have to ask a friend or a relative for something, and we think, oh man, I've already asked so much of them, I don't want to ask again. I've already asked to borrow their car multiple times, I don't want to ask again. But in God's case, he wants you to continually be looking to him and continually be asking. Not only does it not bother him, that's what he wants. And that's part of having a relationship with God is he wants you to ask and he wants to be that refuge. Now, David kind of paints this picture of this kind of fortress, this mighty rock fortress. And, and I don't know if this is what it looked like or not, but this is kind of what I picture is this strong fortress, this brick rock walls with high walls that are keeping the bad guys out and letting the good guys in. And that's kind of what we look at when we look at a refuge. We think of this safe place. And this seems like a place that could be a very safe place. Maybe not. 
but we know that with God it is. Now, when we think of this idea of refuge, as I was kind of looking through uh, this, this passage and I was looking at refuge and this idea of refuge, it's really not a new concept because if we go back to the Old Testament, there were actually cities of refuge. There were cities of refuge. Now, you may or may not be familiar with this concept. I'd actually kind of forgotten about this, to be honest with you. But Moses established these cities of refuge on God's command. And what these cities were is these were cities where people would go to when they were being accused of murder. So if they had accidentally killed someone in an accident, or if they were being accused, maybe even falsely, of murdering someone, they could go to these cities of refuge. And what they would do is they would go to these cities and they would plead their case to the elders and say, hey, here's what happened. I didn't really do it, or it was an accident or whatever the case may be. And if the elders agreed that this was not intentional, they would welcome them into these cities. And once they were in these cities, they were protected and they were kept safe from the people who might want to harm them, the friends of the deceased or the family of the deceased. It was very common in this time that those people would come after the person who had harmed their loved one. So he established these cities that you could go to. Now, here's the key, though, is you had to seek out the city of refuge. They didn't pack the city up and bring it to you. You had to seek it out. But you had to go to these very specific cities to find that refuge. See, we have God, and we no longer have to go to those cities to find refuge because he's with us. When we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, He's with us everywhere that we go. But we still have to seek Him out. He still wants us to seek Him out. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. So let's go ahead and continue. Uh, Let's jump back into verse 4. It says, Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and, excuse me, I have a little throat issue today, and cruel men. He's talking about this idea of rescue, of protection. And we know and we've seen this throughout the Psalms that this is kind of David's MO, right? He starts off with kind of praising God and acknowledging who God is. And then, he, then he's asking God for protection because he knows that God can give him the protection that he needs. Verse 5 says, For you, O Lord, are my hope and trust, O Lord, from my youth. He's saying that, look, God, I've counted on you. I've had a relationship with you from my youth. Now, we know David has an incredible story, and we could spend days talking about David's incredible story, but we also know that David made some mistakes as well. But he kind of brings it full circle, and he's saying, look, God, I've been on your side. I've been on your team since I was young. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you grew up in a, in a Christian home and you grew up in the church and you've just been on this trajectory ever since. And that's fantastic. Or maybe you came to Christ later in life and, and you're young in your faith. David is reminding us that we, we got to be on his team from the time that we're young. And we're going to see in just a few minutes until the time that we're old. Verse 6 says, Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are the one who took me from my mother's womb. So he's acknowledging God as creator, that God created him. Even back in his mother's womb, God was there for him and God loved him. And that David has learned to lean on him when times get tough. 
It says, my praise is continually on you. And David is reminding us of this idea of being in continual praise for the things that God has done for us. Verse 7 says, I have become, excuse me, it says, I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. And here David is just saying, look, I know I have, I've been a thorn in the side of people and I've made some mistakes and I've done things wrong, but God has always been there to welcome him back with open arms and to be there for him. It says, and it says, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Now, I love verse 8 because verse 8 is talking about how David was just filled with praise and glory all day long. Now, when I think of this, I think of a glass of water. So I want you to picture, and I was going to do this, but I knew I would knock the glass over and break it. But I want you to picture a glass of water. And that glass of water is completely full. And when I say full, we're talking like up to the edge. And see, this is why I say I would have spilled it. That glass of water is filled up to the edge. And then you take a pitcher of water and you try and dump that water into the glass. What happens to the water? It flows out. There's no place for it to go because there's no more room in the glass. And see, that's exactly how we have to be. We have to be so full of praise and worship and scripture and Christ's love that there's no room for anything else. And that's exactly what David is talking about. When you're full of the Spirit, when you're full of Christ, there's no room for the sin. There's no room for the enemies. There's no room for the bad things that happen to really take root or to stay in the glass or to stay in our cup because it's going to flow out over the top. And I want to encourage you that that's something that we need to do is we do get to count on God as our refuge, but but we got to kind of do our part as well. It's a two-way street. It's not just a, hey God, you do it all and I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. I tell my youth group kids all the time, you can't pray for an A and study for a C. It doesn't work that way. You can try. It won't work really well for you. Because see, God wants to help us and God wants to be our refuge, but he also wants to be in a relationship with us. And we know that a relationship takes two people working together. And that's exactly how we have to be. We can't just say back and say, God, fix everything. Just do it. He could do that because he has the power to do that, but he wants to work with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. So we have to do our part, and then God will do his part. We can't study for a C and expect an A. It just doesn't work. Let's go ahead and pick up in the scripture and keep, and keep reading in verse 9. It says, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Now, he's talking about this idea of he's got to continue. David's saying, I got to continue and do my part into old age. I'm going to continue to worship you. I'm going to continue to praise you. I'm going to continue on that walk. And we know that this life as a Christian is not always easy. And we know that it's a lifelong commitment. We don't give our lives to Christ for a month or for a week or for a day. We're committing our lives to Christ for life. And it's a tough journey and it's a hard journey. We're not promised an easy life. It's not always easy. But we have each other. We have each other. See, ever since the pandemic happened, we have a lot of people that say, we don't need church anymore. We're good. We don't need to go to church. We can just sit home in our PJs and watch online. And I understand sometimes we have to do that when we're sick or when we're traveling or whatever the case may be. But here's what we miss out on. We miss out on this. As we look around this room, this is what we miss out on. 
We miss out on fellowship. We miss out on encouragement. We miss out on the hugs and the handshakes and the people that we get to do life together with. The people that we get to walk alongside in this life and in our journey, that when things get hard, not only do we have God as a refuge, but we have our church family as a refuge as well. Because we're able to come together and encourage one another and pray for one another and help through those difficult times till we find ourselves back in that good place. And that's what I love about our church family. We're blessed. We have a wonderful church family here. This family has, opened my fam- has accepted my family and welcomed us with open arms. And one of the reasons that we really wanted to come and be a part of this church is we saw the love that you had for each other. We saw that the way you lifted each other up. We saw that this was just one big, maybe even dysfunctional at times, happy family. But we have each other's backs because we're all working towards the same goal. And David is talking about how we got to continue this, even into our old age, even when it gets hard, even when our strength is starting to fail us, we have God as our refuge. And thankfully, we have each other as well. Excuse me. Verse 10 says, For my enemies seek concerning me. It says, Those who watch for my life, consult together. It says, and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. See, he's talking about his enemies, and he's talking about how his enemies see him as vulnerable, and they see him as weak because they know he's going through a difficult time, and they're saying, now is the time to strike because David is weak. But see, what they don't know is that God never leaves or forsakes us. That's the part they didn't get, is that God doesn't do that. God doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And I don't know about you, but I find when I feel like I'm not as close to God as I should be, it's usually because of me. It's because I'm not spending enough time in prayer. I'm not spending enough time in the Word. I'm not doing my part of the relationship. God is never far from us. And see, that's the part his enemies didn't get. They thought, oh, here's our chance. We're going to go after him. He's weak, he's tired, he's alone. But what they didn't know or they didn't think about was that David had God on his side. Let's go ahead and continue. It says, uh, verse 12, Oh God, it says, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. David knows that God will help him. He knows that that is his refuge. He knows that that's where he needs to go. Verse 13 says, May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. It says, May they be covered who seek my hurt. It says, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. See, David, there, there's, there's two things that happen, right? When when when. We get into difficult situations. We either lean in or we lean out. We either lean in and say, I'm going to do whatever I can to get through this, or we lean out and say, I give up. And David is saying, hey, despite these people that wish me harm, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to do more and more and more and more. Because see, David's not praying for a C and hoping for an A. David's working. He's working for that A. 
and we look at David, and, and we look at how he's able to do this. And, and maybe, maybe like me, you're thinking, but how? How is he able to be so strong? It's because he's done it over and over and over and over again. See, when we learn to lean on God, when we learn to make God our refuge, and we do that over and over and over like anything else, the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And David knew that, and David understood that. And we've got to understand that too, that the more we lean on God, the more we understand, the easier it is to lean on God. But again, we've got to do our part as well. Verse 15 is the last verse of this I want to, I want to kind of flesh out a little bit. It says, my mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. David is saying, hey, even though I'm going through it right now, even though times are hard, even though these people are trying to kill me, I am still going to praise you over and over and over again. See, we've been given this amazing gift in Jesus Christ, not because we deserved it, but because God loved us enough to send his son. Do we, do we share that with everyone? Do we shout that from the rooftops? Do we shout that, in this case, from the mountaintops? Because when we get a new phone or we get a new car or we get a new house, what do we do? We tell everybody. We put it on social media. We tell everybody that'll listen. And that's okay. We should celebrate our accomplishments. But do we do the same thing with the greatest gift we've ever been given? Do we do the same thing with Jesus? You know, it's not always easy to be praiseful and be thankful during difficult times. But, but I, I have an example of, of two, two women that are friends of our family, and both of them lost their husbands very unexpectedly. Uh, both were in their, in their late 30s and, and both lost their husbands. And I've never seen better examples of what strong Christian faith looks like. Because these women would have had every right to do, woe is me, I can't believe this happened to me, why me, God? And instead... They praised God for what they did have. They praised God for all the friends and family that came along and walked beside him and hugged him and prayed with him. And they took care of everybody else around them. And we can only do that when God is our refuge. We can only do that when we've built the relationship with Jesus to withstand bad things that are going to inevitably happen to us. So we've got to look to God as our first call, not our last call. I want to finish with Philippians. If you would turn over with me, Philippians chapter 4. I want to read verses 6 and 7. And Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 is probably a verse you could, you could recite from memory, probably one of the first verses that you learned. But I want to read verses 6 and 7 as a reminder for us as we get ready to wrap this up here today. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So how do we make him our refuge? We take it to him. We take it to him and he'll give us the peace that sometimes we don't even understand. I will never understand how those two women were so strong and praising God through what had to be the biggest storm of their lives. But when we read this verse, we understand. It's because they were seeking God as their refuge. 
So a couple things I want to leave you with today as we think about this idea of refuge is we got to invite him in. And I don't just mean invite him in by giving your life to Christ. That's very important, of course. But I'm saying invite him in to that trouble, to that storm, to whatever it is that you are struggling with or dealing with. Make him your first priority. Make God your first call, not your last call. Not your, I have no hope left. I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll pray about it. Come to him first. That's what he wants from us. He loves us. Find our peace and refuge in Him. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the things we know we shouldn't be doing. Don't look to the things that are fleeting, the things that are temporary. Look to our rock and our salvation and stay the course. We got to stay the course. It takes a lot of work. It's not easy, but we got to stay the course. And we have each other, we have the Spirit, and we have our Savior to help us do that. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you sent your son so that we'd have that chance and that hope of everlasting life. And Heavenly Father, help us to be like David and help us to always look to you, not as our last resort, not as our last hope, but as our rock and our salvation and our refuge. We pray that we will continue to do that, Heavenly Father, as we move forward. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.